This podcast is brought to you by ASM, a student ministry in Warner Robins, Georgia. You can follow us on Instagram at assembly underscore SM and on Facebook at ASM. What is up, everybody? This week, we're starting a new sermon series called Unspoken, dealing with anxiety and depression. Pastor Blake does an amazing job, and I hope these messages speak to you. Y'all, I'm super excited about tonight. If you, if you didn't see the Instagram post, do me a favor, y'all look this way. If you didn't see the Instagram story, we've been talking about on the Instagram how we're starting a new series on depression and anxiety. And this is something that I'm very passionate about, very excited to speak about, because it is very, very, very common. And here's what I want you to do, though. I want you to pull out your phone, and I want you to take some notes. Because even if this isn't something that you battle with, I guarantee you that you know somebody who does. And this would either help you or your friend or family member. So I want you to take some notes. And as always, don't be snapping nobody. You know what I'm saying? Don't be on Instagram scrolling, okay? Don't be in no one's DMs, okay? I need you to be taking some notes tonight because we're about to get started. But before we do, I need you to look to your neighbor and say, you're not crazy. Look to your other neighbor and say, mm, well... <laughs> Do me a favor, put this in your notes. The title of tonight's message is this, You're Not Crazy. You're Not Crazy. And we're going to dive into God's Word tonight. But Before we do, I'm going to pray real quick. I want you to do me a favor, pray with me. Father, we love you. And Lord, tonight we just ask that you would speak to us through your Word. Lord, that we would learn something that we didn't know before. And God, I thank you for every person in this room. And Lord, I pray that you would bless tonight. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. You're not crazy. Does anyone really like the holidays? Does anyone like this time of year? What do you like more, Thanksgiving or Christmas? That was, I heard mainly Christmas. I heard mainly Christmas. Okay, here's the deal. I love these holidays, but I have certain reasons why I like it. I want to know why a few, why y'all like it. Why do y'all like Thanksgiving, first of all? Food? I expected that. Jaden said, I'm thankful. Jaden, you are the real Christian. <laughs> Jaden said, here's the thing. I'm thankful for food. Okay? I'm just, but but I, I agree. That's something that I, one of the reasons why I like Thanksgiving, if not one of the most important reasons. But why do y'all like Christmas? <laughs> Everyone said presents. Jaden said Jesus' birth. Jaden, you get a cookie after service. But any other things? Presents, what else? Anything else? What is it? Music? Oh, does anyone love Christmas music? Does anyone hate Christmas music? Okay. So check this out. Y'all listen up. The other day, me and Krista were putting up our uh, Christmas tree. And all of a sudden, I hear some Christmas music come on. I look over and Krista's like this. She was so excited to put up the Christmas tree, listen to Christmas music, up until her dog tore off all the ornaments. Thanks, Maverick. But, but Chris uh, loves Christmas music as well. But here's why I say that. I love the holidays as well. But to your surprise, you might find this. Check this out. This is a recent study and statistic that I found. I want you to check this out. The statistic says this about the holidays. It says 64% of people 
with mental illness report holidays make their condition worse. 64% of people with mental illness report holidays make their condition worse. And I kept reading on this article and on what this uh, scientist did. He, he got all these people together and he found out the reason why. And, and a lot of them said this. They said, whenever I see a holiday that is supposed to have so much joy, it reminds me that I have the lack thereof. So in other words, here's what many people who struggle with mental illnesses say, is that they say to see such joy is sickening because it reminds me that I don't have much. And that's a very, very, very hard place to be in. And the reason why I'm talking about it tonight is because mental illness is a real thing. Mental illness is a real thing. And here's what I believe. I believe that something that is supposed to be taken very, very, very seriously. But here's the thing about depression and anxiety is that it's not a, a new thing. In fact, there are people in your Bible that you've either heard about or read about that have struggled with depression and anxiety. How many know if people in the Bible went through it and we have a book to be able to study that, I think there's a few things that we could learn about depression and anxiety. In fact, has anyone ever heard about a man named Elijah? Anyone ever heard of that name before in the Bible? And so here's what I want to do tonight. I'm only going to read literally just a few verses and I'm not going to preach very long, but I think there's some things in Elijah's life that maybe you can relate with and maybe that could even help you whenever we unpack this. And so tonight we're going to be reading in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 3 through 5. And I want you to read it along on the screen. It says this, it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. He said this, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Did anyone know that's in your Bible? What you're looking at is you're looking at a firsthand experience of somebody in your Bible who battled depression. And this is something a lot of preachers or a lot of people in general don't like to talk about because it is a touchy subject. But here's what I believe. I believe that there's a lot of people that are struggling with it and I believe that you guys are worth it and talking about it. Because here's what I believe. God's ultimate goal for you is joy. His ultimate goal for you is peace. And so tonight, we're going to unpack that. But here's the thing. And Carlos, if you would, I want you to go ahead and leave that, leave that scripture up there for me. Because here's what's going on this time. The, immediately, the verse starts off this. It says, Elijah ran for his life. Now, you're probably like me whenever I first read this. You're like, why is this guy running? Like, what led Elijah to be in this place that he's at? And so I kind of want to give you the backstory for just a second. Elijah, in this time is running from an absolute crazy person named Jezebel. And so Jezebel is somebody in history and somebody in your Bible that is absolutely angry at Elijah, even to the point where she is trying to kill him. In fact, she even said this in a few verses before. She said, she said that within 24 hours, I will have your head. How many know, if you say something like that, you're a little crazy. You know what I'm saying? You say something like that, something's wrong with you, okay? 
And this is, this is what Jezebel said. And so Elijah knows that Jezebel's crazy, right? Jezebel has killed thousands of people. And so Elijah's like, I ain't going to be a thousand and one. So he takes off running, right? How many of you would take off running? You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all like, I'd stay and fight. But Elijah, Elijah knew that Jezebel had an army. And so Elijah took off running. And the Bible says that he was afraid and ran for his life. And of course, in the next few verses, you see what it led to. It led to Elijah being depressed. Now, here's the crazy thing. Whenever I began to do some research, I found out Elijah ran 80 miles to get away from Jezebel. Elijah, from where he was at to where Beersheba is in Judah, it is an 80-mile distance. Can anyone imagine running 80 miles? Like, he didn't just hop in the car and drive there. This guy ran 80 miles. And here's why I bring that up. Because if you're anybody, if you're Elijah and you run 80 miles, guess what? You're going to be extremely tired. You know what I'm saying? You're going to be exhausted. I don't know how he did it. But somewhere along the way, whenever he gets to Beersheba, his exhaustion and all these other emotions begin to sit in, set in, and he finds himself depressed. And here's what's crazy about this story. If you know anything about Elijah, Elijah is a sold-out Christian. Isn't it crazy to think that Christians can be depressed? It's a real issue. And so now Elijah, a man who literally did this, check this out. One day he prayed for rain to stop for three and a half years, and it did. That's a powerful man of God. He literally prayed. He said, I prayed that the rain would stop for three and a half years. And as soon as the three and a half years were over, he said, okay, I want it to rain again. And he prayed for it and it happened. Like Elijah is well known as a prophet in the Old Testament. He's a man who is super bold. In fact, there are many false prophets called prophets of Baal in the chapter before. And he absolutely made a fool out of them because he proved that God was real. Like Elijah is the real deal. He is a sold out Christian. But guess what? This sold-out Christian is now depressed. You see, we, we have this mindset that like Christians don't go through these things, but the truth is Christians do go through depression. Christians do go through anxiety. But here's the thing. How we handle depression and anxiety when it comes determines how much power we give it. You see, Jesus even told us that obstacles and problems will come, but how we handle it determines a lot. And so here's what I want to do tonight. Over just the next few minutes, I want to list three different things or key factors that Elijah did that made his depression worse. Because Elijah had a way out. Elijah had help, but there was a few things that he did that worsened it. And I hope that this helps you tonight. So I even want you to write this down. The very first thing that Elijah did that worsened his depression and anxiety was this. It was isolation. Isolation. Here's what I mean by that. I'm going to read verses 3 and 4 again. It says this, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself, somebody say himself, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush sat down under it and prayed that he might die. Now, here's what I want to highlight. Check this out. 
I've already told you that Elijah ran 80 miles on foot, right? Well, watch what the verse says. It says that after he ran the 80 miles to get to Beersheba, he had somebody with him. So obviously somebody was a good friend. Because here's the thing. I know we might be friends, but I'm not running 80 miles with you. Okay, so now we know that Elijah had a servant with him. He had a buddy with him. But check out what the verse says. The verse says that whenever they got there, that Elijah by himself went another day's journey into the wilderness. Now Elijah secluded himself, and after running 80 miles, he went a whole other day in the middle of the woods. That's crazy, isn't it? But here's what I want to point out to you. Elijah had help, but because Elijah's depression was setting in, Elijah thought it was best to isolate himself. Elijah convinced himself or allowed his depression to convince him that it was better for him to do his journey alone. Can anyone relate like with that? Like think about the times where you find yourself a little down. What do you want to do? You want to be by yourself, right? Like, you're like, get away from me. I'm going in my room. I'm hanging out. This is the equivalent of what Elijah's doing. But here's what I want you to write down. Here's what I believe is very important. One of the devil's main tools for depression is isolation. One of the devil's main tools for, isol- uh, for depression is isolation. You see, Krista likes to make fun of me. Where are you at, Krista? See, Krista likes to make fun of me because for some reason, I love watching Animal Planet. Is that lame? Does anyone else watch Animal Planet? Raise your hand. We got a few folks. Like Shark Week, who's with me? Anybody? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's weird, but like, it's not my first choice of stuff to watch. Like, obviously, I'd rather watch like other stuff. But like, if, if like, for example, like River Monsters or something comes up, I'm like this. I'm like, I'm like, there's a big fish. Like, I'll watch, like, you know, lions attack giraffes. Like, I'm fascinated with animals. Like, I love watching how it all unfolds. And I could sit there forever watching Animal Planet. I I know I'm, I'm pretty lame right now. But, like, for real, I don't know why. It just fascinates me. But something that I realized watching Animal Planet is, like, if you ever watch animals that travel in packs, for example, like wolves or lions, and if you ever watch how they travel you'll see that usually the cubs are in the back, right? And maybe you'll have the mothers with these cubs. And so what will happen, for example, if you have a pack of antelope, right, and they're traveling in the wilderness, whenever I watch Animal Planet, something always happens. It never fails. And you've probably seen this before. But as the pack's traveling, usually there's one or two antelope that get stuck behind. And these are the stragglers. And if you continue to watch, it's very sad, but out of nowhere, you will see a lion come up and get it, right? Has anyone ever seen that before? Or maybe you've seen a video of an animal going to get some water and an alligator comes out of nowhere, you know what I'm saying? And so here's what I noticed about that, is that you would notice that the predator only attacks those that are by themselves. Those who get stuck behind the pack. Those who think it's best to separate themselves from everybody else. And here's what I firmly believe, and I even can prove this in your Bible. The ones that the devil loves to attack the most are those that isolate themselves and get left in the back of the pack. Those who have the mindset of this, I don't need church. Like, I don't need a church family. Like, like I'm a Christian. I'm good. I'm strong enough. Like, 
Like, I don't need a youth group. I don't need to get plugged in. Like, I don't need to attend Sunday morning services. Like, like I'm good. I see my friends at school. Like, like I don't need any help. I don't need a mentor. Like, like I, don't, I don't need these things. I don't need accountability. We talked about that two weeks ago. I don't, maybe you say, I don't need accountability. I'm good. I'm strong enough. But here's the thing. The devil only attacks those who isolates itself. See, the devil wants nothing more than for you to be left alone. And many times, if you're like me, if I ever find myself being low, I can relate. I like to distance myself, right? But how many, how many know that's the time where you're the most vulnerable? You see, we were made for relationship. In fact, no man or woman is an island. You were made for community. In fact, this is a little different, but even when man was made, God said it's not good for you to be alone. The same is true today. We were made to be around people. We were made to have a church family. Even in fact, in the New Testament, the Bible says do not forsake the assembly of one another. In other words, don't forsake going to church and being in community with other Christians. Because here's what happens is that you end up like Elijah. And the moment that he secluded himself from his servant, the next thing you know, it said that he sat under a bush and asked God to die. You see, God's intention for you is to be with family. But here's the second thing. The second thing is this. The second thing that worsened his depression was exhaustion. Exhaustion. And that may, that may seem like it's not very like spiritual, Right, But I want to read this to you. Verses 3 and 4, one more time. It says, Elisha was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Now watch this. I have had enough, Lord, he said. I have had enough. In essence, you want to know what Elijah was saying there? Remember, he's already isolated himself, but now he finds himself in this position. Here's what he says. He says, I can't do this anymore. Has anyone been there before in life? Like, you just like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like, for you, it's probably different than Elijah. For us today, it might look like this. Like, between all the family drama, right? between all the drama at school, between the beef on social media, between all of the expectations that you have to live up to, between all of the schoolwork, you know, it's easy to get to a place where you think to yourself, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And this is exactly what Elijah is telling to God. Because think about this, think about this. All those long miles that Elijah traveled he is absolutely exhausted from running from Jezebel. But here's what's crazy. Elijah is running from Jezebel, right? Here's what's insane. The chapter before, Elijah was doing God's work. In fact, one of the most like amazing moments in Elijah's ministry happened in the chapter before. And even the Bible says that the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. That's what it says in 1 Kings 18. Um, 46, it says that the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And watch this, just a few verses later, someone's trying to kill him. Someone's trying to kill him. Like, here was, here was Elijah's emotions. Elijah is the man. Everything's going great. And just a few verses later, next thing you know, he's wanting to end his life. 
like this is super relatable. I don't know if this is something that you've gone through, but here's what anxiety and depression does is that you're great for a moment, but for some reason you go like this. Has anyone ever experienced that? Like you could have the best thing happen to you and then it doesn't take but one more bad thing to happen and next thing you know, your emotions are all out of whack. You find yourself depressed. You isolate yourself. You're exhausted. It seems like nothing's going right. Elijah is going through this in this moment. But here's what I believe. You want to know why Elijah got to the place where he said that to the Lord? It's because of this. Elijah didn't know how to rest. One of the most biblical and, and spiritual things you can learn how to do, and you've probably never heard this preached before, is rest. If you don't believe me, why did God rest on the seventh day? Even God knew it was important to rest. I want you to write this down. Sometimes your emotional problem has a physical solution. Sometimes your emotional problem has a physical solution. Here's what, here's what many adults might underestimate when it comes to people your age and my age. And it's this. We are very, very busy people. Like, people like to think that like, we sit around and watch Netflix all day. Maybe you do in the summertime, right? No judgment. But like, we are very, very busy people. Like, between all the schoolwork, many of you might even have jobs. Many of you may even have family issues. You have a lot going on. And you might not realize this, but it is very, very important to rest. In fact, there's even science to back it up. I looked at some studies and it said that one of the other leading causes for depression is a lack of sleep. Isn't that so simple? Like, isn't it crazy to think that getting no sleep could actually lead to exhaustion, what leads to anxiety and depression? You see, sometimes an emotional issue can be solved with the physical problem. But here's also the other thing. When it comes to rest, here's what I also believe. There's also a spiritual problem whenever you find yourself struggling with depression and anxiety. And another way of resting is spending time in the presence of God. So not only do you need to make sure to get some sleep, but also you need to realize this. Your peace is found in God's presence. I don't know about you, but like, there's some times where I've just had a rough day, right? And I'm just like... I'm just like, I wish this day would end. But next thing you know, I, I kind of, I'm like, okay, you know what? I need to pray. And the moment that I get into God's presence, it's like everything goes away. I feel at peace. And that might be foreign to you. Maybe that's not something you do. But here's what's amazing. God is the ultimate person of peace. In fact, many times in the New Testament, I realize a theme. Many times the gospel is referred to as the gospel of peace. You see, God's desire for us is peace, and there is no peace outside of God. So not only do we not need to isolate ourselves, we need to be in community, but we need to make sure we're getting some sleep, some rest, but we need to make sure that we're spending time with God as well. But here's the third thing. I want you to write this down. Is this helping anyone? And don't worry, we're gonna, we got two more weeks of this, and I'm really going to dive into anxiety in the next couple of weeks. I'm very excited about it, but I want you to write this down. The third reason that, that Elijah's depression got worse was this, comparison. Comparison. Worship team, if you would come on up. Verse number four says this. It says, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, he said. Now watch this. Take my life, 
I am no better than my ancestors. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. The third thing that made his depression and anxiety worse was this, is that he gave in to comparison. You see, Elijah's ancestors were just like him. They were people of God, and now Elijah is comparing himself to the way his ancestors lived. And he thinks that he's not living up to expectations that he set for himself. And now he's playing what I like to call the comparison game. He's playing the comparison game and he sees that he's not living up to what his ancestors did. And next thing you know, he thinks to himself, it's just not worth it. I believe this. I believe that the same is true for many of us today. But here's what I think. I think that it's kind of different. Here's how we like to compare ourselves to one another. We like to get on social media. And we get on social media and maybe you're a girl and you start to scroll and you see how a certain girl looks and you see how she's flexing in the mirror and doing all these things. Ladies, you do this, you know what I'm talking about? And you see how her body looks and you see how she looks and all of a sudden you feel that your value is going lower and lower because you don't look like this other girl. Maybe, guys, you do the same thing. Maybe you're not as athletic as someone. Or maybe, just like girls, you don't have the same body as someone. And you see people using their filters on Instagram. And you think that because you don't look like that, you have less value than them. And what we do without realizing it is that we play the comparison game. In fact, here's what science says about it. And it says this from the study of the Child Mind Institute. Not only is this scripture, but this is scientific. It says, in several recent studies, teenage and young adult users who spend the most time on Instagram, Facebook, and other platforms were shown to have a substantially, even from 13 to 66% higher rate of reported depression than those who spent least time. Like whether or not you look at, uh, never, whether or not you realize this, here's what we do. Every time that we get on social media, we compare ourselves. We try to find value. Are we as good as the people we're seeing? I know deep down you could probably relate. Like we love to see if we compare or match up to other people. And here's the problem. We find our identity in in that. In fact, some of you even will scroll down and because you don't get as many likes, as many follows, for some reason you feel like you're lesser than somebody else. And what happens is, is that the devil uses an amazing tool called social media and what he does is he creates insecurity in young people. And he loves to make you feel like a failure because you don't look like somebody else. And I'm going to go ahead and say it now, they probably don't look like that in person. You see, we get our value based on what other people think about us. And even the science and your Bible tells us that these are the things that raise our anxiety. I mean, the science is right here. And now Elijah's in a situation where he's comparing himself to somebody else. So now he's isolated, he's exhausted, and now he's doing the comparison game. And it's just a masterpiece for anxiety, bad emotions, and depression. And right now he's struggling with all three. He's at the point where he's like, God, just take my life. I've had enough of not living up to what I could be. I've had enough of of the exhaustion of, of life being so hard. But here's what Elijah didn't realize in that moment, is that God will never leave you where he found you. 
in the moments where it seems like you're low, in the moments where you're the most anxious and you feel like nobody cares about you and you're not, you're not good enough, in the moments where depression seeks in, in the moments where you have suicidal thoughts, I truly believe those are the moments where God wants to speak to you the most. You see, I even believe tonight there's people in the room who are going through the same thing that Elijah went through. And I believe that God is trying to speak to you tonight. In fact, here's what the Bible says. It says, then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. Remember, he's in the middle of the woods. Someone didn't just put that there. That's God. God supernaturally put food and water right next to Elijah's head in the middle of the woods. And it says he ate and drank and then he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. See, even God knows that life in this journey is too much at times. He literally said, Elijah, I know it's too much for you. But Elijah, if you would let me help you, I will satisfy everything that you're longing for. If you would let me help you, I will strengthen you. And the things that you've seen before won't compare to the things I'm going to do in your life here in a little bit. You see, even from this day forward, after this moment, Elijah ended up living in complete peace with God. You see, I believe that God's saying this tonight. I believe God is just speaking to some people in the middle of your depression and your anxiety. He's saying, just get up and eat. Like, I've got something for you. I'm not finished with you yet. You see, God wants to speak to some of you tonight. And here's what I love about God. God always shows up on time. In the middle of His exhaustion. In the time where He wanted to give up the most. God offered him bread and water. And God would end up raising Elijah up and he would have peace for the rest of his life. Do me a favor, would you stand to your feet? In the next few weeks, we're going to kind of talk about, we're going to go even more into detail. This was just very surface level. We're going to talk about ways to prevent anxious thoughts and, and ways, you know, to overcome these things even on a greater level. But tonight, I believe that there's many people in the room who you can relate with Elijah. And some of my leaders, if you would, go ahead and make your way to the front. But maybe tonight, maybe you're in the same place that Elijah was. Like maybe you've even had suicidal thoughts. Maybe you find yourself isolated. You just don't want to be around people. You want to be by yourself. Like, like you just find yourself an entire ball of emotions and you have no idea why tonight I believe that God is speaking to you and he's saying just get up and eat I have something for you I'm going to strengthen you I know it doesn't seem like it now Elijah but I'm going to give you strength for the journey I know it's too much but I'm going to strengthen you here's what I want you to do with everyone in this place close their eyes and bow their heads tonight maybe that's you and you're one of the three. Maybe you're, you find yourself isolated. Maybe you're just exhausted. Or maybe you know that you have a problem comparing yourself to other people. 
and now that you hear me mention it, you say, you know what, maybe that is what's raising my anxiety, my, my desperation to have approval by others. If you're one of those three people, no one's looking around. I simply want you to raise your hands in this place. Come on, you're not alone. There's hands going up all over the room. Eyes closed, heads down. You're not alone. I want you to raise it high. You see, God is here for you tonight. You can put your hands down. Everyone can look at me. You see, you may be wondering why I have some amazing leaders down here. And the reason being is because my very first point was this, is that we don't live in isolation. Here at ASM, we understand and, and we don't diminish depression and anxiety. We know that it's a real issue, but here's what we believe. We believe that we ought to be a family. And we know that if anyone in this room is struggling with anxiety and depression, we all go through it together. If anyone has any struggles, guess what? We're going to go through it as a family. And we're not going to let you isolate yourself because we're here for you. So here's what I want you to do. If you raise your hand in this place, all we want to do is that we want to pray with you. And even after service, if you want to, I want you to get in contact with some of these leaders through social media or even phone numbers and we want to walk through this with you but if you would say you know what pastor blake i'll raise my hand i need prayer i'm isolated or i'm exhausted or i'm finding myself comparing myself to others if you raise your hand for that would you mind coming down here and letting these leaders pray for you i know it's going to cause a little boldness but would somebody be bold enough to say you know what i just need some prayer tonight we already have people moving out of their seats i mean God has an answer for you tonight. He's saying, get up and eat. And tonight, we want to believe that with you. And as everyone's making their way down, worship team, would you begin to sing? If you're not coming down, I'll do you a favor. I want you to lift your hands. And we're going to worship for just a little bit. Come on, y'all. Maybe you know someone struggling with depression. Come on, let's pray for them. I want to thank you guys for being so patient. You know, maybe this isn't something that you've struggled with or maybe you just didn't feel the need to come down. Thank you guys for being patient for those who did. And so real quick, I'm going to pray us out. But before I do, I just want to remind you that remember next week we will not be having service. But after that, we're going to continue our series on this. And I'm super excited. If anyone's ever struggled with anxiety or maybe you have friends that aren't here that struggle with anxiety, I'm going to be touching on that a lot in two weeks, and I hope that you get something out of it. So if you have any friends that you know struggle with this, I want you to get them here, okay? Get them here, because I believe that it's gonna be life-changing, okay? Remember, we love you guys, hey, and if you need prayer for anything, we're gonna be down here for a little bit. If you just need to talk, we'll be here after service, but do me a favor, close your eyes, bow your heads, let's pray real quick. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much that every person in this place is loved. Lord, that you look at everyone with eyes that burn with love for them, and no mistake, Lord, no background, no history could ever change that. Lord, you love us. And God, we pray tonight, Lord, that you would lift burdens off people, depression and anxiety. And Lord, that they wouldn't let the three things that hindered Elijah hinder them. God, you gave us wisdom to use it in times like this. And Lord, we ask that we would use it. And we love you. And everybody said, amen. I love you guys. Give somebody a high five on your way out. Hit up the cafe. Don't forget about Speed the Light. We love you guys, and we'll see you in two weeks.
Wow, what an amazing word by Pastor Blake. I hope you guys enjoyed this sermon this week. If you are from 6th to 12th grade, we'd love for you to join us on Wednesdays at 7 at the Assembly at Warner Robins for ASM. Thanks, guys, for listening. Peace. Peace.